Genre. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Return of the King one creepy gargoyle at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm resisting the urge to say what's up. I'm Norman Mitchell. Come on, man. <laughs> to just like do it the way it's done in like the, those old commercials. Yeah. Just, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> so today we're talking about Minute 57, which starts with Gollum and Sam um, climbing off of the road, onto the secret stair, and it ends with Gollum and Sam attempting to f- pull Frodo back away from Minas Morgul. Just the uh, the one time they are in tandem, just yeah, both like, are oh, just no, like, no, oh no, 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 <laughs> not good, not good, not good. <laughs> What's it doing? They are working together. I love that Gollum's just so perplexed. Not that way! No! What's it doing? Climb. What? What? (laughs) She just turns around and is just totally taken aback. So, okay. I love this dumb shot of the gargoyle. Oh, the camera going up it? Like, right up its tongue almost? Yes. Like, six minutes to ten minutes into the minute we see this this pan up of the gargoyle because it has its tongue out like kiss style i always i call it the was up shot because like because as Norman has said was was up was up we're we're children of the 90s it's fine <laughs> i believe that that was a, a the that was a super bowl ad i and then it just continued i mean like i that doesn't surprise me for Budweiser, you, I believe. I thought the Budweiser ones were like the frogs. I think that the, the frog thing is before that. I'm oh, not 100% sure. I don't know. Someone can correct me, but I kind of... Is there I, like I a feel... know your meme for like um, Super Bowl commercials? Probably. Does know your meme like... I don't know. Know your meme is like so handy. Or especially handy. now because everyone's just like, what the heck? Where and memes come, come and go so fast. Yes, yes. But like... Millhouse is not I, a meme. I just associate "Was Up" with like skater movies. Oh, dude! So you know, like, um, what's that? The Disney movie Brink. Like, <laughs> so like, there's a difference between "What's Up" and "Was Up." No, I know, I know, but like that, the the very specific way in which it is said, I just like, associate with skater movies for some reason. Because mm. I say "What's Up" all the time. Like, "What's up, fam?" But like, yeah. That was up is like W A Z Z Z Z Z Z Z U U U U U P. Like, <laughs> there's an A in there somewhere too. Like in the second part, this is U U U A P. Ah, no, it's U. I think it's an A H actually. What? What's up? That's Wario. Wow. Wow. No, Wario is is more nasally. That's Wario. Wah's but up. the way you spell the way you would spell a wa from Wario is W A H. Yeah, but the second part is zap, not zoop. Whatever. Zap. Whatever. This is the quality <laughs> podcasting. It is. Now this is podcasting. 
Now that's what I call podcasting. Um, but yeah. Okay, so the intention is that the ring is pulling Frodo in this direction because if the ring gets to the Witch King, it gets the, to Sauron. It gets to Sauron. Yeah. I think this whole struggle, though, is uh, very silly. Yeah, at I've, least in this minute. I've never probably because of the gargoyle, but yeah, I've never because like he looks up at it and it's just like, Ooh, which I think is the reference to the Watcher thing. Yeah, the, the... it's like compelling him forward. But like, at what point is it the gargoyle compelling him, and at what point is the ring compelling him? Yeah, it's always felt like it's these gargoyles that start this. That's what it's always felt like Come to me hither, in the scene. Child. But like, there's whispery black speech and. The yeah. barest hint of the ring but, theme. Yeah, and... but the whispery black speech leads me to believe that it's the ring instead of the gargoyle. Right, which is what their intention is in the in the commentary they talk about. Okay, it. but like if you're going to make a reference to the Watchers, why just not go like... Go ham, my dudes. Yeah, I was going to say full bore. <laughs> Piggies. But I'm Tish. You said ham. I, I said said full bore. I did. It's Piggies. good. Piggies. Piggies. Full piggies. No piggies. <laughs> um, yeah, I love how frazzled Gollum is. I love the delivery of climb. I can't even say it that way. Yeah. It's so menacing and evil. It's like just the right amount of dramatic irony because he's like, climb. Climb. That doesn't, like, no red flags, no alarm bells. <laughs> Really? The secret stare. No, Sam is just constant alarm bells now. Oh, I know. But, like, come on, man. As we'll see this week, at the end of this week, in fact, Sam is all alarm bells all the time. 24-7. Just sirens in his head constantly. Oh. It's the wee-woo. Just Patrick from SpongeBob. No, it's the the Kill Kill Bill Bill sirens. Yes, it's the Kill Bill sirens. (laughs) Just constantly in in Sam's head. (laughs) The world is slowly turning red. Oh my god, I'm gonna make a terrible joke. You think Quentin Tarantino's into Hobbit feet? <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Quentin Tarantino's Lord oh god, of the Rings. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino's Lord of the Rings. Way more close-ups of Hobbit feet. That, elf that, ears. Who cares about elf ears? That that proud foot moment at the beginning of the movie. Just oh my god, lingers a little okay, longer. Okay, okay, okay. We're done. We're done. We're done. <laughs> yeah. I had to. I had to. <laughs> Close up on Galadriel's bare feet. Oh my god! Cause you know, you no, know. No, no. <laughs> oh, I regret everything. Um, <laughs> also, way more violence. Quentin Tarantino's Lord of the Rings. Well, yeah. More beheadings. <laughs> now with hundred percent more beheadings. Oh, that's that's only that's three only more. Two. Yeah, it's only three more total, I think. Well, Aragorn beheads that guy, and then is there another one? There isn't. Oh, there are heads, though. The yes, we don't see the, the skeletons. No, we don't. We don't see the men of Gondor be beheaded, but their heads get thrown into the into Minas Tirith. Oh, that doesn't count. We would have seen that all happen. Yeah, for sure. I thought you were talking about the the pile of skulls, like the Indiana Jones stuff. Also, like, like the paths of the dead. Is there not another beheading somewhere? I don't believe so. I think it's just the one. I'm not sure now. I feel... 100% more beheadings is exactly two. <laughs> Excellent. 500% more beheadings. 
Okay. Dismemberments. No, 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 no. Aren't you ready for Quentin Tarantino's no. Star Trek? No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I am not. Also with 100% you more bags. You stay away from my Star Trek. Thank you very much. But this... <laughs> Yeah, this entire minute is this Frodo drawn towards Miss Morgul thing. Yeah. And like, is it the ring? Is it the gargoyles? Is it the witch king? What's causing this? I I read it as the ring, but like I said, why don't you go full piggy and and make it the watchers? Right. It's, it's, I think it's muddled a little bit. Yeah. Uh, This next minute, something that's always confused me is going to happen. Okay. I am really excited because our timelines converge this week. Finally. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> right? For, they, We don't know if they all converge, but two of them converge. The The timelines are being intercut, which is which is weird given that we've been following the Pippin and Gandalf scene at the same light level for a while. Yeah. But we've Sam and Frodo were at a much brighter light level the last time we saw them. Yeah. And... The Pippin and Gandalf scene has not changed time. So that means that we just skipped a bunch of time in Frodo and Sam. I mean, they're walking. What what else are you going to... It's like, oh, man, you remember scones? Like... (laughs) (laughs) So... There's there's like a... There's kind of a weird little time jump, but it's not a big deal. We we now are Frodo, Sam, Pippin, Gandalf, same timeline. Synced up. Synced up. I don't know what day it is. But I know it's the same. Day. I have no memory of this place. <laughs> but we're we're synced. We're about to be synced. Next minute. Yes. Confirmation. Yes. Actually, it's probably two minutes from now, the actual like thing. Right. But yeah. Synced up. We're coming together. It's all coming together. Timelines assemble. <laughs> now, if only we get a reaction shot in Rohan, then it would have been perfect. Do you think Rohan would have been able to see that, though? Like, the only reason we get... We're not there yet, but yes. Oh, okay. All right. That's fine. I I do think so. I know. We're jumping the gun a bit. Yeah. Uh, Because, honestly, there's not much going on in this minute. We we get to see some more, like, design work with stuff. Do we get the... We don't see the shot up Kira Thungle, do we? Did that happen already? No. Okay. Because that's a cool shot, and I have notes about that shot in particular. Uh, Actually, yes. The secret stair? Yeah, up the secret stair. Yes. That so the uh, the way that that shot was done is the set for the secret stair is only about eight feet tall, and they they you it was built in a it was kept in like a hockey rink, and everything past like the eight feet of the secret stair that they built yeah is two miniatures layered on each other laid down on a floor and shot across nice so that they could get the scale right and then. You you kind of lose track of the the stairs eventually in in the miniature, but you can still kind of barely see where the lines might be. Yeah. So it's it's pretty effective at being because it it's contradictory, right? Because in the movie, the audience has to be able to see it, right? But it's supposed to be essentially invisible. So okay. But how? It's not literally a stairway, right? It's like it's just a path. It's like a ladder. No, it's I, pretty much a ladder in, carved in into the, the rock in, in most places. In the movie, it's a, it looks like a ladder or like a very, very steep like series of indentations. Like in the in the book, though, like there isn't a description of it, so I just it's just like a path. I I believe there are a handful of descriptions of it being of at least being carved in places because it's not it's not a happenstance. This is a this is a thing that was built. 
on purpose as By a way who? uh in theory the um the Numenorians? The or not the Numenorians, but the, the men of, of Gondor when they built Minas Morgul and Minas Tirith and Kirith Ungol. Because those are all originally built by men. So and this, this is was, like a shortcut. This is kind of like a shortcut between Kirith Ungol and Minas Morgul. But it stopped being used almost immediately because to get to Kirith Ungol from here, they would have had to go through the tunnel where Shelob is. Oh, or Shelob. And, and they're just like, oh god, big spider. And nope, it's like, nope, oh, nope, nope, no one's using this anymore. So they just kind of leave it. Big heckin' spider. <laughs> big, big heckin' spooky thing. We're gonna leave this alone. I don't know what's in here, but we're gonna leave it alone. Bob? It talks to me. Bob? Where'd Bob go? Bob's in here. Uh, that's not Bob. That's not Bob. <laughs> You're saying Bob, and I'm thinking about a possessed body, which just makes me think Doctor Who with the angels and, like, the, the private guy that talks for them in that episode. Oh, the angels two-parter? Yeah, which I believe that guy's name is Bob. Yes, Angel it's Bob. Yes. Angel Bob. Yes. 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 You're not Bob. You're Angel Bob. <laughs> and then it's first, first, first part of that. Creepy. Great. Possessed dude. Oh, nice. Cool. They don't possess him. They use his, um, the, some brain part to make words happen. That's possession. No, they like rip it out of his, his body. Yeah, but they're, they're like puppeting him. his body. They're puppeting his it's, consciousness. It's a very, it's a very sh- minor difference they're puppeting the nerve endings and the synapses of his brain or whatever yeah i don't know doctor who so there's a there's a very minor difference between literal puppeteering and possession very loose science fiction very yeah <laughs> but it just reminded me of that <laughs> using bob. the name bob <laughs> also now i'm just imagining uh she love using Isn't, her webs uh, to like make marionettes of oh the my corpses God, please yes it's like literal marionettes no strings on me <laughs> <laughs> Do little puppet shows for the orcs. And they're like, wow, yeah. And one of them gets too close, and she's just mine now. Yep. Add you to the puppet pile. Oh, God. Puppet pile. Yep. (laughs) But yeah. (laughs) And on that note. Yeah, the the shot of the stairs is really cool. It's just always like, it's, well, it would be secret, right? Because it was, the knowledge was lost to. Yeah, people just, we ain't going to use this. Yeah. The knowledge was lost to the, the. Prime inhabitants of Mor- Mordor now, which are orcs. Yeah. And whatever else. I think some of the orcs at the top, where Kirith Ungol is, might be kind of aware that there's a path down to Minas Morgul from there. Mm. But they know that to get to it, they have to, they go, have to through go through that through. tunnel. Yeah. And they don't want to go through that tunnel. Because they leave stuff for Shelob and also occasionally find stuff that makes it to the other side, but Shelob still gets. Yeah. Like they're aware of the spider. They're fully aware yeah, of her. I'm, I mean, they talk about it later. Yeah. Spoilers. And they're just like, oh, look, this one almost got away. <laughs> you think they leave her like, they, they leave stuff for her for like, as like offerings or like. Yeah. Please don't eat the rest of us. Is she like a goddess to them? Probably. I mean, she's. She is the closest thing to a Maiar that is native to Middle Earth. Mm. Because she is the the child the descendant of like a uh, a prime spirit because ungoliant has no origin he just showed up she yeah oh sorry yeah she, ungoliant doesn't have any solid origin in the in the legendarium in the text there's 
Ungoliant just is. And there's lots of theories about what Ungoliant is supposed to be. I thought it was a big spider. Uh, that's the form Ungoliant takes, yeah. But Ungoliant is also um, just this, this spirit of hunger and entropy and nothingness. So, like, I, I think that some of the some of the more uh, popular theories about what Ungoliant was is like uh, Eru's reflection, so, kind of like okay. the, the kind of the necessary All opposite, right. which would make Ungoliant kind of like uh, kind of like the devil, but not in the same way that Melkor is clearly a Lucifer analog. So, in that case, I just had a thought. Mm. Does that mean Ungoliant is? Uh, the same thing or a similar thing or intended to be the opposite of whatever Tom Bombadil is. Probably. That kind of makes the most sense to me, given what some of the more popular thoughts about Tom are. Yeah. Because I know that we've talked about how Tom Bombadil is just like, yeah, it's Eru. It's God. It's, it's probably God. Uh, <laughs> just like his avatar in Middle Earth. It's Tolkien God. Like. <laughs> well, yeah. So, like, so. So that's interesting that in that respect, Tom Bombadil is a like a primarily male spirit and ungoliant is a feminine spirit yeah but and ungoliant is and they're doing kind of what were nor would normally be coded as the opposite in a lot of classical faith kind of thing classical myth as far as what attributes you would uh, attribute to feminine or masculine as far as what um like a creative versus a destructive force because typically destructive forces are a little more coded as masculine. Right. And creative forces are more coded as feminine. Oh. See, I was I was doing like... Or like a... Not necessarily creative, but like a nurturing force. Like Tom like, is like a nurturing protective force. I know. I... No, 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 no. Tom is a trickster force. Goldberry is a nurturing force. See, I always... I view... I've always thought of Tom as a protector force. Tom is a straight up trickster. Tricksters can be protective. Mm-hmm. Like, the Doctor is a, a trickster archetype. Right, but um, I've always thought of Tom's prime... Uh, directive. <laughs> prime directive. His prime his prime place, his, his prime function as protective rather than uh, trickstery. Because he's, he's clearly an ally to the people around him. Right. He, he's not antagonistic. He's not... Which tricksters generally are. I mean, they can be varying shades of. Yeah. I mean, m most tricksters that you might think of that are like clearly part of the archetype are antagonistic. Tom Tom is protective because he's protecting his forest. Mm. He's not protecting Middle Earth. No, because uh, he he might be, but not directly, because he makes sure that the hobbits make it where they're going. So some people argue that perhaps in the same sort of way that Gandalf very rarely directly influences things. Tom kind of does the same thing. Mm. He just helps um, precipitate what needs to happen instead of directly causing it to happen himself. But he he know he understands where the future is headed, so he interferes as little as possible. And him being where he was was necessary for the third age to transition to the fourth, mm. and just. Him only being there and only interfering in the way he did was all the Eru needed to do. Boop. <laughs> to make sure that these hobbits didn't die in the Barrow Downs. That's fair, I guess. It's just this one thing that needed to, like, there there was no other way to ensure that these hobbits made it where they needed to go. <laughs> just, I, I he, he just had to be here. I was thinking more of, like, 
the feminine being coded as evil. I mean, that's also with that like also a capital is, E. Yeah, and the masculine being coded as good. Yeah, there's, and I mean, there's benevolent, definitely benevolent. Yeah, and there's definitely like crisscross there in different in different sorts of things. I feel like I that guess. happens more often than not. Yeah. See, and maybe it's because more modern stories, as opposed to like older myths, tend to code uh, tend to code protector deities as feminine, or not even deities. Like I, I feel like protecting and nurturing things are often less less presented in like a strong masculine way, uh, in like a classic sense, I guess, and more in like a quiet motherly sort of way. Yeah. But like a king protects. He protects. Right. He, he protects. Yeah. And I guess there's kind of different. King Arthur different would be seen as, could be seen as red as a protector. And he's like masculine. Mm. Also like a paragon of good. Yeah. As, where, where, as opposed to um, Morgana, who is feminine and a that's another. And... I mean, I guess that's another thing is I feel like generally feminine evil is coded as more subtle and sly. Whereas Ungoliant is a straight destructive force. Mm. That's, I guess that's another sort of, I guess that's really kind of what I'm getting at. I, I think it's rare for feminine coded evil to be direct and destructive as opposed to uh, more subtly dangerous. What about like the Lilith mythology? Even then, I think there's a certain amount of subtlety to Lilith. Okay. Um, Because Lilith works from the background initially in a lot of the mythos surrounding her. Hmm. Um, because she's the she's the abandoned one. She has to start from the shadows, yeah, and and work to do other things. And then there's lots of stories that have used Lilith, uh, that are more about her being a schemer. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and I think that tends to be the way that feminine villains are used. Uh, Ursula is a great example. Oh, from Little Mermaid. Yeah, <laughs> Ursula is a great example of what I tend to think of when someone says like a like a feminine coded villain. But what about like um like the god the Hindu goddess um Kali who is like feminine but also a destroyer. Right. I mean, and and that's not Western, uh, and maybe that's also kind of a difference between some Western and Eastern stuff. Mm, that's fair. Um. So I don't know, but like I I I feel like generally. Uh, feminine villains and feminine evil forces aren't uh, directly destructive yeah. in myth. They're more, they're more close. They're closer to tricksters generally. They're more subtle. They, they wait. They have like plans that will kind of cause their masculine foes to fall on their own sword. Mm. That's kind of where I feel like a lot of feminine villains are generally. And Ungolian is, is different from that because Ungolian is like directly referred to in female in a female sense. Yeah. And is like always ref- like always referred to as she is clearly supposed to be uh like a-, a female entity and is a hungry, relentless, destructive force. Do you think that uncontrollable. Do you think that Ungoliant is based off of oh, uh, does she have a name? Is it just she? Uh the the thing that the Be- Beowulf um Grendel's Grendel's mother. Oh, maybe. That's certain that's possible. I was thinking about Grendel's mother here as like an exception in a western story. Yeah. Uh and even then like Grendel's mother is still in the background. It's still a mother. It's still but is also like still in the background until it's necessary for the the completion of the narrative for Grendel's mother to appear. Mm. And in and in uh in that CG 
uh, Beowulf. Oh God. Uh, Grendel's why, mother why, comes why? off as is like is played by Angelina Jolie and is a more like subtly threatening sort of thing. I think the word you're looking for is hypersexualized. Yes, <laughs> it's true. But like uh, hiding behind like hypersexuality is a way to make things uh, more subtly evil because it's it's a distraction from the threat. I think the thing that I like about um i like that we're way off in the deep end of the of the silmarillion whatever. again we were talking about like feet earlier so like yeah. i'd rather be here than there <laughs> yeah that's um, fair i guess i the thing i appreciate about and we'll talk about sexy shelob um i'm sure but the thing that i appreciate about this whole thing like the ungoliant thing because the, the monster spider is the form that she preferred to take. Yeah. Correct? So, because, like, the feminine in Western mythology so often... Because, I mean, it, like, Western mythology is so tied up in, like, the, the, the Christian influence and, like, Eve. Like, yeah. Eve is... <laughs> in, in the Christian mythology, Eve is the mother of, 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 of like, you know... She's, she's the catalyst yeah. for evil. Yeah. For the fall of humanity. So my issue with that horrible movie, aside from the fact that it sucks. <laughs> the Beowulf movie? Yeah, it's yeah. so bad. Um, is that Sean Bean? I don't think so. I think it's a blonde guy. I, I feel like it's Sean Bean. I haven't seen it in a while. Um, I didn't see it when it came out. I saw it like later yeah, why when it was you? on streaming. <laughs> But that was still like five or six years ago that I saw it finally. Um some of the, it was like interesting. Painting painting the feminine form and feminine sexuality as inherently evil is like one of my big like pet peeves of It's also like storytelling. it's just so overdone. It too. is right, exactly, because of the Western like Christ, Christian influence on Western mythology. I think it occasionally can be used well. Like there are certain kinds of archetypes that I think are enduring for that reason and can be done in a way that's not like necessarily harmful. But I appreciate that Tolkien, who was a very devout Catholic, chose to make his female villains like not that. Yeah. Which is really cool. We'll talk about sexy Shelob. <laughs> <laughs> we will. Yeah, cuz cuz <laughs> the the yeah, cuz the only female villain in uh, these stories is Shelob, who is a, a monster. A monster, yeah, like a straight up like, is like a, a a Grendel kind of. Yeah, it's just this kind of just treated as this force of nature, this inevitability, mm -hmm. this thing, uh, and is the only the only. I mean, there's lots of other talking spiders in Mirkwood and the Hobbit, but they also are uh, seemingly all all dudes. Maybe Shelob chased him away. Yeah, because they're smaller. Yeah, they're little spiders. Yeah, because Shelob, the female female spiders are often yeah. larger than the males. Yeah, and I mean, those spiders aren't descended from Mongolian, I believe. It's just Shelob. Oh, cool. She's like the, the last... The last The last one. daughter of Mongolian. I mean, I, I have issues with Tolkien's other female characters, but like that right. in particular is something that I'm like, oh, I haven't really thought about that before, but that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think that Ungolian it's her herself is a very interesting piece of the whole mythos because she is another mystery. Right. 
Well, you can't lay everything out. A lot of people think that Ungoliant was kind was actually kind of in, inspired by the idea of a black hole. Mm. Uh, because the the very first bubblings of some of that uh, that idea would have come around the time that Tolkien was kind of finishing some stuff up. Uh, it's it's not terribly likely, but some people read Ungoliant as like a black hole. That's cool. The antithesis of like if if a star is you know creation and, right. and warmth and and vibrancy and life, a black hole is the antithesis of that. I guess I, I guess I, I it's not it's not really that people think that Ungoliant was inspired by a black hole. It's people think that Ungoliant can be read as a black hole. Yeah, it's really what I want to say. That's not cool. inspired by. No, because I it, mean like yeah, that's the same thing. Because if Eru is like, you know, the creator deity, and like, oh, he's referred to as the like uh, his the power is the fire creation. creation. Yeah. yeah. Um. So like, what would which would be like starlight? And starlight yeah. is often used as a representation clearly of Eru's power. Right. Because the elves worship this, or not worship, but they they hold the stars in reverence. Yeah. Exactly the light of the original stars and the light of the trees and like all this other stuff is right. the is super important to the the elves in a really like philosophical and cultural sense. So the opposite of that being a black hole, yeah, it makes like total sense from a especially from a modern interpretation sort of deal. Yeah. So Angoliant is just this really interesting force because like Tom, and pretty much only like Tom, there's literally no explanation anywhere of where Ungoliant came from. <laughs> like the the creator thing just being there that that makes perfect sense from like a this dude with it was Catholic perspective of like oh well God just is God he just is yeah but everything else is just well where did it come from yeah yeah I, and and coming from like a Christian um background like the male being the creator yep uh makes sense when you're building a mythology mm-hmm. and you're being influenced by this. Yeah, definitely. I don't agree with it, but it is what it is. Right. <laughs> I'm proud of us. That was a good discussion. Yeah. I hope. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to us. Yeah, I hope so too. <laughs> <laughs> so we're from the website duelinggenre.com. Um, you can check out some of the other podcasts on duelinggenre.com. There's a new one that I keep forgetting to add to my copy, and it's um, Tales from the Short Box, and it's a, like, comics discussion podcast. Um, we also have Doctor's Companion. We talk about Doctor Who all the time. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's been on so long that there's so many yeah. things that might be referenceable. Me, like, for me, like, my, my pop culture touchstones are, like, Harry Potter and Doctor Who. Yeah. So I'm glad you speak my language, at least a little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Lord of the Rings, but... You're more fluent in Lord of the Rings than me, mm. even now. Um, you can also check out some of the other, the uh, two audio drama podcasts, Geek by Night and Immunities, if you're looking for something different. And thank you guys for so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more about Frodo. Yay, Frodo. Yay, Frodo. Of the nine fingers. Why does he have nine fingers? Why does he have <laughs> nine fingers? Bye. Bye.